Welcome to the I Am Podcast. My name is Carl Weaver, and I am the website content manager at I Am. If you have any suggestions for the I Am Podcast, you can email me at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Joined again by Brian Limpropoulos, the IAM Vice President. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for being with us again. Uh, good morning, Carl. How are you? I am excited that we are solidly in the second season of the podcast, and um, you know, it's it's been something I celebrate daily. Season two. <laughs> season two has been magical so far. <laughs> Truly, truly magical. We are uh, uh, kind of taking this podcast in different directions, and it's uh, it's exciting to see what else we can explore. So, uh, yeah, season two. I think we have some surprises ahead for people. We do. This episode, we've got uh, Scott Reddig. I did an interview with him. He's he helps run uh, the RPP program, among other things. And I think the the uh, especially the viewers. I don't think anybody watches a podcast. But the uh, listeners will uh, uh, enjoy getting to know him. He's really an interesting guy. Yeah, Scott's been a, a real key addition to the staff. He joined us uh, in July of 2019. And um, he's incredibly detail-oriented. And uh, especially with something like the RPP, where there's a lot of a lot of claims you have to wade through and um, ensure you have the right documentation, ensure that you're providing the best possible service for the members. He's he's done a great job there and he's also helped us out uh, on a few different fronts. So Scott, uh, listen to that part, get to know Scott and uh, learn about how he can help you as a member of IAM. And Scott started out as a, as a temp, didn't he? Or um, Yep. Like someone, he was sort of filling, a, filling an empty spot for a little while and then he was doing so great. Um, it's sort of like, uh, I don't, you probably don't remember this, Brian, Victor Kayam with his Norelco commercials. No. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I remember, I know Norelco, but yeah. not Victor Kayam. His big thing was, I liked it so much, I bought the company. And so, uh, you know, of course, there's more to that story. But, uh, you know, we like Scott so much, you know, we, we asked him to stay on. So we gave him health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, this week in the ePortal, Brian uh, actually wrote an article on LinkedIn that we linked to. It's about moving in the time of COVID. So, and it's there are a lot of um, a lot of sources you use here. At least five different sources that I outlined, and uh, I, I was really impressed that it was, you know, it wasn't just a regurgitation of what was in there. You really did a lot of distilling of information. What, what did you find? Yeah, so, you know, one of the challenges with our industry is that we don't have comprehensive data for all moves. So we have to rely on what's the next best option, which is, uh, you know, in some cases what the van lines are providing and what updater has started to provide. So these are kind of capturing their move data from 2020. So I looked at what they made available and I don't have access to the underlying kind of statistics, but trying to uh, determine you know, what, what's going on in the US specifically. We'd love to do this for the globe and determine why these trends are happening. Now, obviously with COVID happening 
happening. 2020 was a very unique year. But what I found was that a lot of the trends that were already happening across the country were just kind of accelerated by the pandemic. The one different thing was kind of how cities are positioned in this new paradigm. Uh, for the last few years, there have been tremendous growth in uh, some of the major U.S. cities, and COVID has kind of taken away some of the value proposition there. And there's a lot more people looking to move out into the suburbs, the exurbs, and to rural areas uh, because they can now work remotely. So I think I, I'd encourage everybody to review that report. It has a lot of good stuff in it. Give us your feedback on it. Uh, you can comment on the LinkedIn, uh, uh, directly on LinkedIn, and let us know what you think. Are you seeing something differently? Did I misinterpret something? Or is this right in line with what you're seeing at your, at your company? But again, I think it comes back. This is, um, you know, in the future, we want to have more data. We want to analyze that for all of you and, and see what sort of trends and uh, patterns we can all discern and, and orient our businesses accordingly. Yeah, it'd be great if we could get, uh, and I know it's tricky to do this and nobody really wants to do it, but if we could get from our members where their people are moving from and moving to and um, in a way that we could keep it anonymous, you know, but it's, it's hard to get people to buy into that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it has to come. It comes down to trust and the ease of sharing that data. So if there's a trust element there where people feel comfortable sharing that data and, you know, we would have no interest in understanding who your client is. We would just want to know, you know, how many 20 foot equivalent units did uh, went back and forth between the port of Baltimore and the port of La Havre uh, with used household goods and per personal effects. It's things like that where um, there's all sorts of data that we collect when we do shipments that have nothing to do with the client, but it would be interested, interesting if we aggregated it across the industry. Again, we're, we're trying to figure this out. I, I don't know if we have a solution, but it's, it's something we should aspire to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely a great article to read. So look for it in the e-portal or look on uh, Brian's um, uh, page on LinkedIn or the, or the IEM's page. Next thing here, we've got an updated version of the PCGs, the Professional Cooperation Guidelines. This is something we've worked on with Feedy, is that correct? Well, Feedy developed uh, the professional cooperation guidelines and they're constantly ma maintaining them. They have a pretty robust process by which they uh, engage their industry experts and make edits and revisions to it year after year. So what Carl has included in the ePortal is the 2020 edition. So this is when the PCGs were just approved. So they were approved in 2020. So they are the 2020 edition of the PCGs. And if you don't know what the PCGs are, they're essentially the 30 to 40 page set of guidelines for how to cooperate with other, uh, uh, other service providers in the global moving, uh, global moving industry. So uh, it, it walks you through from uh, the very start you know, how to properly quote, how to properly uh, perform origin services, 
destination services all the way through to claims. So it's a really not just it's not just a document that kind of gives you guidance on how to act in these situations. It's, it's a really valuable education tool. So we've made that available on Mobility Exchange. You do need to log in in order to access it. Um, so click the link on the ePortal to access it. And you know if your company has a validated listing on Mobility Exchange, we want you to uh, demonstrate that you're willing to comply with the most updated version of the PCGs by downloading and completing the acknowledgement form that we make available on that web page. So please look at it and provide us your feedback. And more importantly, let us know and let us let your partners know that you are um, voluntarily abiding by the PCGs. Yeah, it seems like a great way to provide uniform uh, customer service, not just to the end customer who's getting their stuff moved, but just between companies. You know, so that if we all abide by that, if all the companies do, then everyone knows what to expect and, and how processes work and stuff. It seems like a, a step toward great efficiency. Uh, that's absolutely right, Carl. Um, there's a lot of fragmentation in our industry. And if we can bring certain standards to bear and have them be universally accepted, I think you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's something that could raise the least common de denominator and ensure that some of the issues that have been faced in previous years, maybe we don't have to go through those things in the future because there's this common acceptance of, of the guidelines. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. Important stuff there. So next thing here, we've got uh, IAM has a new address. We actually moved back in July or maybe it was June, I, I can't remember, uh, over the summer sometime. But now that we're starting, we're getting checks in uh, for dues renewals, stuff like that, membership renewals. We're getting a lot of stuff forwarded from our old address. So please make note of our new address. It's 1600 Duke Street, Suite 440, Alexandria, Virginia, 22314 in the United States. Uh, and that'll help us just keep in better touch with you. So thank you for that. Uh, the CMMB, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brian. No, I said, indeed, you know, please don't send anything to the old address because it might get lost. So make note of what Carl just said. Yeah, and something else that compounds that problem of, you know, having to forward, you know, we do have forwarding service, uh, but the mail service here in the US right now is very slow. I just saw a new article this morning about I can't remember, I, I didn't read the whole thing, but uh, it just talking about how slow it is because uh, of some things that happened last year. Mm. And um, so, you know, please uh, be sure to get the address right. And uh, that'll solve a lot of problems ahead of time. So the CMMB recently uh, met uh, to plan the, what they're doing in the new year. That's a core members management board. Something, Brian, when I talk to people about, when I mention something like, oh, the CMMB, Core Members Management Board, or the Executive Committee, or something like that, sometimes they're like, I, I don't know what that is. So can you tell us what the CMMB is and what they do? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, as staff members, we sometimes get, we're too close to things and we think everybody understands it. Um, so that's a really <laughs> question for us to answer. So. Yeah, the IAM governance structure is so that our 
our executive committee is charged with being kind of the board of directors. And so they kind of make all the, they make all the relevant decisions, but they are supported by kind of an ecosystem of committees and advisory boards and all, all, all of those types of things. And the core members management board is, is similar to that. It's, it's an advisory board that can provide feedback, can provide assistance to our executive committee. And the interesting thing about the core members management board is that it is composed of the three elected positions. So the core and supplier members elect three individuals to represent them on the executive committee every year. And then there are two regional representatives from each of the regions that we have. And so it's a very valuable board, advisory board essentially in providing kind of seeking uh, feedback from the different regions, seeing what our common themes, seeing our, what our divergent themes across uh, regions, and then trying to utilize that and provide that feedback to our executive committee so that they can kind of make decisions for the larger membership. The other element of the CMMB is that two of those representatives are core member representative at large and the overseas core member representative are the co-chairs of our membership and programs committee. So the CMMB also kind of provides input to the membership and programs committee on some of the actions that that committee is weighing in on. So I think that's kind of the high level overview of it. It's composed of the regional representatives and you know it, sh it should be utilized to kind of be that sounding board for our, our core members around the world. Our core membership is our largest membership segment, over 1800 companies. And so it's really important we have this board in place to kind of both connect us to those members as well as uh, so those members feel connected to IAM. And these are, <clears throat> I was about to say, they're, they're not special people. They are special people, obviously. They're, they're volunteers who uh, you know, give their time to help run the association. But in terms of who can become a member of one of the boards, it's not like there's some, you know, some specific outline definition of who can become. If you're a core member, you could become a member of the CMMB. Is that correct? Yeah, you can. And uh, it's predicated on there being an opening. Um, right. But we want to hear from our members who want to volunteer their time and energy to make IAM a better and more responsive association to them and their company. So even if we can't place you into a position today, if we know that you have the intent to participate and the intent to volunteer, we can make note of that for the future and match you up with different opportunities. You know, whether it's on the CMMB or another committee or something else, please let us know. And you, you can do that. You can send it to Carl. You can send it to membership at iamovers.org. Send it to me. We have a running list of people who have signaled their intent to serve with IAM. Yeah, we want to help you uh, achieve that goal if that's something you'd like to do. And it's something that's you know, speaking personally, as someone who's volunteered in other associations, it's something that's rather valuable, you know, personally. So uh, it's definitely worth uh, seeking out if you have the interest. 
we've got the uh, Alan F. Wolstetter Scholarship. It's now accepting applications. And that goes through May 1st, is my understanding, is that we're accepting applications for that through the through May 1st. That is right. And it is $5,000 US dollars, Carl. Anybody <laughs> that's know- That's my if favorite you, type. That, that's a lot, yeah. <laughs> I'll take US dollars any day of the week. Um, big uh, scholarship for our industry. So if you or anyone you know is taking uh, courses or pursuing a degree at an accredited college, university, or trade school, um, with the goal of obtaining a degree in uh, something like business, IT, logistics, something that has an application to our industry, they would qualify for this scholarship. Now, there is an application process, and depending on the, the uh, you know, who, who you're competing against, you know, it might be too competitive, but we want applications. And it doesn't matter if you're in the U.S. or outside the U.S. Again, the, the requirement is if you're obtaining a degree at a regionally accredited university, college, or trade school, you qualify. So please, um, and it's open to um, employees of IM member companies, dependents of employees of IM member companies and student members of the association. So if you're not, if you're not affiliated with an IM member company, you can pay $25, fill out an application and become a student member of IAM. And that would qualify you to accept the, um, qualify you for the Allen F. Wallstetter scholarship. So again, this is a huge uh, uh, scholarship. We encourage you or anyone you know who's in this position to apply for it. And hopefully uh, through this scholarship, we can raise the professionalism across the industry. And that is the intent of the Allen F. Wallstetter Scholarship. Right, and we can give out uh, 10 scholarships each year. Yeah, 10 and scholarships. Last, last year, I think we did four, three, something like that. It's not been 10 the past couple of years. Was it four? It was four. Yeah, so, and that wasn't because is my understanding wasn't because, you know, a million people applied and only four were qualified. And so we didn't get the applications. So yeah, this, we're, we're trying to give money away, Carl. <laughs> uh, maybe it's time for me to go back to school again. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a great amount of money. And it's uh, depending on where you live and what you, college or university or trade school you're going to, that could really go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. So apply before May 1st. Uh, it's a short application. Uh, it's not not strenuous at all. And I think you can, I don't know if you can save it, but you can start it and look at it and get all the information you need and come back and and, and apply. Yeah, if it's $5,000, you know, put in the time. I mean, it, it's worth it for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of money. If it's not a lot of money for you, you know, we need to talk, <laughs> but exactly. uh, it's a lot of money. So the next thing here, we've got the U.S. Department of Labor uh, announced that the final rule to clarify independent contractor status under the Fair Labor Standards Act. And of course, this is a, a U.S. thing, but probably wherever you live, there there might be a uh, a law similar to this that defines what is an employee versus what is an independent contractor. And this is something that we've uh, seen 
not just for people, uh, you know, lifting and carrying boxes in our industry, but also drivers uh, and others. You know, sometimes they'll a company will hire someone and say, "We'll pay you X number of dollars. You're not an employee," and um, and that's being reviewed now. And they're they're now um, uh, there's now a final rule to clarify that. It's a good thing to talk to an attorney about. Yeah, and, and it's just something that you know, with the whole gig economy um, trend over the last few years, it's and there's all sorts of legislation, all sorts of uh, government battles happening over the status of independent contractors. If you do rely on on those independent contractors, you, you're going to want to review this, um, review what we provided in the ePortal uh, if you're in the U.S. and and determine whether uh, it affects you. Um, and and this is this is definitely an issue to watch uh, as we come into the next administration. Uh, the Secretary of Labor, who um, promulgated this rule, uh, was from the Trump administration. Whether that changes in the next administration, now that we're under uh, a Democrat-led uh, administration, we'll have to see that. So this is um, an ongoing kind of, I don't know, really know how to kind of characterize it, Carl, but it's kind of this issue is going to keep coming up here in the U.S. It's going to keep uh, being at the top of many people's agendas. Yeah, it's sort of a moving target. Yeah, that's um, a good way to describe it. Yeah, and, and one of the things, so this is a, a, a final rule uh, issued by a department. That's different from legislation. So this could be politically, um, you know, political hot button, but until it's actually put into law, and, and of course, laws can change too, but it's harder to change a law than to change a, a directive. So, yeah, I'm sure, like you said, we'll see this develop. Uh, we've got the new issue of the Portal Magazine online. If you if you don't know the Portal Magazine, you have been missing out. Uh, you can go to iamovers.org, and there's um, a spot on our homepage where you can link uh, to it and see the, uh, and read the whole magazine online. And the big issue in the magazine this uh, this time is the U.S. domestic ace, I can't even say it. U.S. domestic It's too many words. I went to NC State University. I, I'm not used to these multiple syllable words. Um, but it, that whole, the whole U.S. dab that you've been hearing about, it's sort of uh, based on that. And the, uh, and there's a lot of other stuff in there too. And next month or next time for the March-April issue, the focus will be on South Asia. And we want to hear if you are in Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, Maldives, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. Uh, you know, we want to hear what your um, what your experience is in the industry. So you, there's a link here to submit your story. You can also look online. Uh, if you want to get in touch with uh, the editor, it's Will Kohutic. Uh, or if you want to just send me an email, I'd be glad to forward that to him as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'll just plug it one more time. If you want to know anything about our new initiative, the U.S. Domestic Asset-Based Mover Group, the U.S. DAB, this portal magazine edition is going to be the best way for you to educate yourself. 
um, if you're a text-based person who likes to, to read stuff. We have other um, resources that are out there uh, if you're a video person, but this is a great resource for you to review. And it's something that we encourage you if you're uh, particularly here in the US to look at. Uh, and then like Carl said, we wanna profile our members. We have over a hundred members or almost a hundred members in South Asia. We wanna learn about what's going on in that region. What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? There's 2 billion people who live there with um, steadily rising living standards. And when living standards rise, mobility rises. So that market is just gonna get bigger and bigger over the next 10, 20, 30 years. So uh, let's learn from those companies who are kind of at ground zero and, and uh, see what the opportunities and the challenges are. Yeah. It's, um, you know, if you have a story in your heart that you want to tell about the industry or about your company, you want to hear it. So uh, definitely get in touch. Again, a lot of the articles uh, are written by members. You know, so Will uh, Kahudik will take a lot of the stories submitted by members and compile them. And he does a lot of the writing as well. Uh, but he really wants to hear your story. And you know, we want to tell tell your help you tell your story so please submit it uh brian there's a new uh french rule that impacts transferees did you read about this uh yes i did uh i, hope, long, so. I hope you're reading our newsletter long story short i think um and and i think we received this from near service from cedric zebe so thank yeah. you cedric uh for forwarding this on but essentially it's, it's um, France letting everybody know that if you're coming from outside the EU, you are gonna be subject to uh, much stricter uh, COVID-19 regulations in order to enter France. So if you're coming from the EU, it's, it's uh, you know, the regulations are a bit less onerous, but if you're coming from out, outside, uh, prepare to quarantine, prepare to have a negative test before coming to France. We have all the information available in the e-portal. And the that includes, thing, I'm sorry, that includes the UK. If you're coming from the UK. Yes. Obviously, they're not part of the EU. So. Yeah, so how will that affect kind of transport from the from UK? You know, if I'm a driver coming from the UK with a shipment. So key point there, Carl. Finally, the moving and trucking are not affected by the curfew so um you know as an essential service you know our industry can continue operating uh but that the gray area still exists between um you know moving back and forth between the the uk so educate yourself work with your partners if you have that going on and ensure that you're not going to face additional fees additional delays because you didn't um uh, properly educate yourself yeah, that's a you know, two-week quarantine. I can't imagine that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've already done that for myself during the COVID, but you know, that was, um, yeah, it was. It's just hard. I mean, I can't imagine trying to conduct business where you have to be on the road. That's got to be incredibly expensive. That's why we're like so fortunate to be these so-called uh, knowledge workers, office workers, because we can still perform our duties. Um, from a, a remote location, it has to be so challenging. If you're if you're a truck driver, 
trying to make sense of all these different regulations uh, and you know exactly what what new thing will be passed while you're on the road. Uh, I, a lot of respect to the truck drivers around the world who are navigating this uh, and it's just shifting sands beneath them. So that, it, it's a really tough situation. It definitely is. Yeah. And this month's uh, prospective members, did you look at this map? There's like a million new or a million prospective members on there. Well, it's great. I think we, we have, I, I wanna shout out our, our friends at Move One. Uh, who I think are responsible for the bulk of this map. You can see a lot of locations if you look at the e-portal in Sub-Saharan Africa. And that's a place where we're seeing a lot of growth, uh, not just from Move One, but from a lot of companies within the region. And so Move One has made a, a tremendous uh, investment and we appreciate that investment um, to join up new new uh, branch locations throughout Sub-Saharan Africa. And then we have, um, you know, we have a, a bunch of other companies joining us uh, from across the world, a couple from Qatar. Um, so it, it's, it's really gratifying, especially in this, uh, you know, it, it's become cliche to say in these challenging times to see that we have companies who want to join IAM that you know, the value proposition that we're providing is still attractive and, you know, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't been made redundant by something that COVID has done. So uh, we're going to continue um, uh, showing, you know, where our perspective and new members are coming, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's good for all of you to know where uh, these companies are trying to come in from. You do have a role here. Uh, if you do see a company on that list that you feel is not up to the IAM membership uh, quality, you have the right as an IAM member in good standing to object to their application. So please look at the prospective membership list. Let us know if there's any company on there that does not deserve, allegedly does not deserve to be a member uh, and, and submit your objection if that's the case. Yeah, and I would say that's that's not just the right. That's that's more of a responsibility to mm -hmm. if you see it's sort of like the old see something, say something. You know, if you're uh, if you see someone on there who's not up to snuff, you know, you need to protect the protect yourself and protect your fellow members. Agreed. <clears throat> yeah, the alleged debtor list. We uh, publish this all the time. It gets updated frequently. So that's something to check out uh, as often as you can. Anytime you're doing business with a company, you not done business with before, you're just reviewing the ones that you have done business with, make sure they're not on there. Uh, but those are the companies who have alleged to have debts to other members that are un, unpaid. Uh, yep. So I'm sorry. No, I, I said, yep. And you know, this is Scott Reddick. Um, you know, we talked about him at the top. Uh, you know, Scott is the one kind of doing all the, the hard work to make sure that this alleged debtor list, which Carl, you can tell me, um, but it, it seems to be a huge value to the members. If it's not, you know, I, I, I can't imagine how. I mean, it, it, you know, every newsletter, we put that at the bottom and it's, and we do it so that you'll look at the other stuff in the newsletter, but that gets more clicks than anything else. Yeah. And that's one of the most popular pages on the website. So definitely people are looking at it and uh, I'm glad about that. I think that's another way we deliver great value. 
And it looks like we've gotten down to the bottom. I do want to shout out a few people um, before we go, Carl, because we have some, some member news. Steve Crooks uh, has accepted an expanded role with ARPAN Group. Steve uh, you know, is an industry veteran um, now with ARPAN, but previously was with Suddeth and just recently with Harmony Relocation. So uh, see what Steve's doing. And now as uh, president of FSC Global Consulting, National Van Lines has named Mark Doyle as president. Uh, get to know Mark by reading his bio here. We have another president, <laughs> another van line president that was just named, AJ Schneider from the Wheaton Group. And the Wheaton Group encompasses uh, beacons, it encompasses Arpens uh, van line operations, old van line operations, Stevens. Uh, Wheaton's made a number of strategic pur purchases over the last five years. So uh, AJ Schneider, now the Wheaton Group president, and then our friends in Scandinavia. Alpha Quality Moving has named Annika Rupe, I believe. I, I, I need somebody to maybe correct my pronunciation there, but Annika Rupe has been uh, appointed as the Managing Director of Alpha Quality Moving uh, in Sweden and the CEO of Alpha Scandinavia. So we all have a lot of movement at the top of some of these big organizations in our membership. Does that mean that this is a time in... Uh right now to start applying for those top uh, top positions? I think they've all been filled, Carl. <laughs> Darn it, okay. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll make sure, uh, I think when we uh, post this podcast, we gotta give special shout out to those companies and those individuals in particular. Absolutely, yeah, I'll be sure to tag them. Yeah. Well, Carl, thanks for the conversation. I think we got a lot of good stuff here in the e-portal. We want to make sure people uh, read and review, but any, any final words from you? Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm getting ready to head out of town uh, for a few days and, and I'm looking forward to it, but also uh, wearing the mask. Wear the mask. Yeah. Keep it away from people. I'll, I'll tell you, Brian, I, short story here, if you don't mind. I went to my doctor about, I guess it was in a, in uh, December, and he says, you know, you got this, uh, we need to put you on this medicine, and um, I said, all right, and he says, but one of the, um, one of the, the side effects is this sort of dry, persistent dry cough, I was like, is this really the right time to put me on medicine that's going to make me cough, and he's like, well, do you want the good medicine, or do you want the good side effects, so I took it, and uh, what I found is that I've got this persistent cough, and people just stay away from me, so, yeah. So that so it, it's not a new it's not a a, a new thing. Uh, it's I guess you know people weren't staying away from you before. Now they are. <laughs> well, it, maybe for a different reason. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, anytime you see somebody in public now who are who's coughing, you're, you you kind of you expand that uh, radius from them uh, that much further. But uh, I hope you're not scaring too many people away, Carl. It's okay if I am because I don't want them near me, most of them, so. Well, uh, I, I do wanna say one thing. Uh, you know, This week we are having an executive committee meeting for IAM and we're undertaking some strategic planning for the next few years, um, update our strategic planning. So this, this could be a very pivotal week for IAM and how we, um, approach the next two to three years. So we're looking forward to that at IAM and 
seeing uh, you know whether some of those uh, strategic plan affects kind of how we communicate out. But we want to hear from you. Uh, let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what you want to hear more of. Definitely. Well, thanks for being with me today, Brian. And um, I know you've got the meeting starting tomorrow and uh, probably you'll resurface when I'm out of town, but I'll see you next week if not soon. Sounds good. Thanks, okay. Carl. Thank you. I'm joined today by Scott Reddick, who's IEM's Membership and Programs Coordinator. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing today? Hi, Carl. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on with me. Uh, so, Scott, you're, you know, I just listed your title. What, what do you do at IAM? Uh, well, you know, I uh, started um, about a year and a half ago, um, middle 2019. Um, worked a lot with the RPP, and then I've been working primarily with the receivable, I should go back, the receivable protection program, RPP. Um, and I've been doing that. That's been my main thing I've been doing for the past year and a half, but I've been working on some other stuff along with the uh, um, the committees, uh, the HOH, Hall of Honor, and Ethics Council for IAM, yeah. along with some IAM US interstate uh, compliance services as well. Okay. So I've got a question for you about the RPP. Um, I know there's a lot of, there, there's a whole process there, obviously, uh, for trying to get, you know, the, um, trying to get some money back, you know, if you're owed money by another member, stuff like that. What is one thing that people don't do that they need to do in order to make that an easier process for themselves? Um, I would say just um, biggest thing is letting us know, submitting a claim before 120 days. That's the thing I would say is the most important thing. Um, 120 days is the RPP works where you have to submit within 120 days of the issuance of the original invoice. So the original invoice date, we need it to be submitted within 120 days in order for it to be eligible potentially for unpaid invoice compensation. Um, again, that only happens if IAM determines that the company has gone out of business and ceased to exist. Um, but that's the most important thing is 120 days or before um, we need the invoice reported to us. I would say that's the most important thing um, because obviously you don't want, I don't want claims to come in that are 125 days and then saying, well, you know, it's just out, it's out of date. So I can't, you know, it, it might not be eligible for compensation. Right. Yeah, so is that usually what, uh, what keeps people from uh, being able to, to take part of that, part in that program is just they, they let it lapse, they, they submit too late. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it's 120 days. It's how it works is there's two different aspects to the receivable protection program. There is unpaid invoice compensation, which you have to submit before 120 days. And then there's the outstanding invoice intervention process. That's a little bit different. That is, we can intervene on your behalf after 120 days. So sometimes I think there's a little bit of, you know, confusion there where people are thinking about 120 days and like, oh, well, afterwards, then we can start the intervention process. But it's, and which is true, but before that, we need to receive the um, the invoice in order for it to be potentially eligible for unpaid invoice compensation. Um, there's a few more things along with like for um, 
unpaid invoice compensation, the maximum we can provide for an IA member is $20,000. That's the maximum amount that could be covered for that year. Um, and then for out the outstanding invoice intervention process, we can only intervene if it is over 3,000 US dollars. Okay. Yeah, so, and I, I've even heard Brian uh, Limperopoulos say that, you know, you can even, you know, if, if you have a, a debt with another member and it goes over 60 days, let's say, you know, my, my marker is 60 days in my head, I'm going to submit that to IEM uh, for the invoice compensation uh, program. You, and, and you can even see, you know, update later and say, oh, they paid at 90 days or something. Exactly. And, yeah. and, that, and that's the great thing about it is you can submit at 60 days. I mean, we'll review it, you know, we'll have the, you know, preliminary, preliminary decision there for you. But, you know, you don't have, you know, we can always wait till 120 days, see if it's still outstanding. If you want us to go through the process of intervening, we can. If you don't, we can hold it, you know, and just kind of have it out, you know, have it ready for potential compensation if something should happen. Um, you know, that's, that's the, I think the great thing is you get a lot of flexibility with, you know, if you submit, it's up to you on how you want to proceed, you know, and mm -hmm. we don't, we don't do anything except for just give you the preliminary decision, answer any questions you have, and then we're, you know, going to do what you want us to do in terms of, you know, what action to take next, or if you just want us to hold the, uh, the claim. All right. Well, that's good to know. Hopefully our members find that useful. That's something you know, we, we say all the time, but it doesn't always get to the right ears. So if we keep saying it, you know, hopefully the people will hear it. Uh, yeah, and I think, I, I think uh, 60 days, by the way, is a great, is a great time. It's, you know, that's a great time. If it's past 60 days past the original invoice date, that's a good time to file. Um, obviously, we wouldn't be able to go through the outstanding invoice intervention process for another 60 days. But if you say it goes past 100, 120 days and you just let us know, then, hey, we can go ahead and intervene on your behalf, assuming it is uh, more than $3,000. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for that information. Uh, so what, what was your, now we're going to learn a little more about Scott. <laughs> What's, Scott, tell me, what was your first job? Um, I worked with a, a similar type of, a similar type of association and, uh, uh, it was, um, oh gosh, what kind of, it was, uh, in DC, it was, uh, having to do with, um, power, like, um, uh, the power companies, the electric companies. Yeah. Um, I was there as an intern. I worked there for, um, I believe a year, um, a little over a year part-time so it was you know not full-time thing but uh it was it was good it was a it was a good experience was that while you were in college it was after oh, okay after and yeah, it was uh, just after yeah so uh something our, our members probably don't know about you is you're studying right now to become a cpa is that correct yeah i'm studying um accountancy account accounting um currently and uh you know i'm that's definitely a possibility for me to look towards uh, the CPA because I'm getting the credits necessary to um, get to become a CPA. So, oh, great. but I'm, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Wonderful. How far along are you with that? Um, you know, I'm pretty close to finishing. I think I should be done hopefully around the summertime in 2021, but um, I, I, I think that is when I'll be done. That's great. It's, it's only part-time and it, it kind of works out really well with um, obviously working at IAM as well. So 
mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's a great opportunity to uh, learn a little bit more about counting. Wonderful. So what do you plan? Uh, I, I, this isn't uh, you know, your, your job interview, obviously, but what, what do you plan to do after you're done with school? I know you, you're talking about uh, you, you'll be eligible to become a CPA, you know, if, if you pass exams and all that stuff. Is that uh, your goal or, or do you have another trajectory in mind? Uh, for me, I'm just, you know, right now I'm just focused on getting it finished, getting the accounting um, certificate program there finished. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm potentially looking at more school, um, more classes. So not entirely sure if, you know, I want to do a master's in business administration or something like that, but we'll see. Uh, I'm just kind of interested in always, I, I like going to school and, you know, going to college, all that kind of stuff. And it's a great time to do it. So I'm, you know, I enjoy it. Oh, good. Yeah, it's, it's got to be a tough time right now doing everything online. Yeah, I mean, that is the downside is, um, you know, I like to be in at, at the, in the classroom, being with everybody else and um, the professor as well. And accounting is definitely tough um, online. But at the same time, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to, you know, continue my education. I think it's always a good thing, um, you know, make the most out of the opportunities I have right now. So I think it was a good thing for me to uh, study accounting. So what is something that you wish people knew about you, but they probably don't? I, I mean, I, I travel, I traveled a lot. I've definitely traveled a lot. Um, yeah, I traveled. Favorite? I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no worries. Uh, I traveled recently to um, Australia. That was my most recent travel. Um, went to Tasmania uh, while I was there. I got to go to Sid- oh, I was there, Sydney, Canberra, Hobart, and Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was really fun. I I enjoy I enjoyed it. Um, definitely a really cool experience. Yeah. Where's your favorite place you've traveled to? I I, re- I really liked Australia. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I I do I. I really, I, I really did enjoy that experience. Um, I was there for a couple of weeks and I wish I could have gone to uh, New Zealand as well. I never got the opportunity while I was there, but definitely sometime in the future, I definitely like to visit New Zealand as well. Um, it, it was, it was really great. I really, really enjoyed Australia. It was great. Yeah. Um, my, my dad and his wife uh, went to, I think they went to Australia, but they went to New Zealand and just loved it. Yeah. Yeah, they also switched back like five cases of wine they bought there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was really cool walking. Uh, you know, I walked everywhere pretty much in Sydney. Um, and I got to take the train to go to Canberra. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Um, spent a couple of days there. Um, learned a lot about history there. Um, the flight to uh, um, Hobart, Tasmania was great. Um, it, w- it was just a great experience in general. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I definitely want to go back. I've, I've got a question about that. Um, sure. Yeah, and this this is sort of showing my ignorance, but is Tasmania an, uh, a sovereign country or is it part of Australia? It's part of Australia, I'm pretty That's sure. That's what I thought, but I, I wasn't going to claim that to anybody because I, I was afraid that I might not. Look so good. Yeah, it's an island state of Australia. Okay. Yeah, I hear it's really beautiful there. I know, I, uh, know a guy, I've not talked to him in years, but he, he went and uh, you know, toured around. I don't think he even went to Australia. He, I think he just went to Tasmania. 
Right. Yeah. It, it was really amazing. Um, yeah. Really, I met, I, I did a little tour as well while I was there. Um, you know, I went to a wildlife uh, reserve, uh, uh, I believe. Uh, it was really great. Just really, really great experience. I got to go out on the water there um, around the harbor in Hobart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just fantastic. I definitely go again. Yeah. So I asked you to put together a list of things um, and we're going to call this stump the chump where I'm, I, I guess I'm the chump here. I asked you to put together two truths and a lie about yourself. So tell me about this. What do you have for me, Scott? So I was going to keep it on the, um, geography of my travels, um, right. I guess. Um, so three different places here, um, of where I've been. So here we go. Uh, I've been to Canada. All right. I've been to Scotland. Mm-hmm. I've been to Portugal. All right. So I'm going to reason through this here. Uh, and sure. don't correct me, okay? Well, not. Uh, until I ask you to, of course. So I, I'm guessing you have been to Canada because it's like, um, you know, it's our next door neighbor. It's like saying you've never been to, uh, uh, you know, Whole Foods down the road from the office. <laughs> Maybe you haven't because you've barely been in the office since you know, no one's been here really. Uh, but, you know, I think, I suspect you've been to Canada. Um, Scotland, I would guess you've been to, because I think I remember you said that you've been to England. And I, that's a vague memory. Portugal. Huh. You know what? I'm going to say you've been to Canada and Portugal and not Scotland. Okay. Um, Is that so, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Did, 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 you said you think I've been to Portugal? Yes, Portugal, Canada, and not Scotland. I have been to Portugal. I have not been to Canada. Really? Yeah. It's so I, close. I, thought, I know. I know. I've always, you know, I've, I've, I've just never had the opportunity to go um, with classes, obviously, and all that. But I definitely want to go. Uh, that's definitely something that you know, um, in the future. I want to go to Toronto for sure. It'd be a lot of fun, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, but I've, I've never been. I have been to Scotland um, uh, before uh, when I was studying abroad. Um, and uh, I have been to Portugal. So, so that's great. So I think the next country you should go to is Canada. Yes, I definitely think that would be something <laughs> I could do. And, 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 and drive to, too, uh, potentially yeah. in, the, in the future. So I think, it, I think it would, it's really great. And, of course you know, be a great drive, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, it's been- Yeah, you can yeah. drive by uh, uh, Dan uh, Bradley's farm if you go the right way <laughs> or the wrong way. I'm not sure if that's right or wrong way. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I, I definitely think that would be a, a good drive to uh, go up to Toronto, that'd be fun. Yeah, it's about 10 hours away if you hit the traffic right. And to me, that's like the, that's that's about the upper limit of how far I'm going to drive in one day is ten hours. But, yep. Well, we'll plan a road trip. We'll, we'll go up there, <laughs> the two of us, and we'll stop and uh, have have lunch at Dan's parents' place and everything. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to share with us, Scott? Before we before I cut you loose, I know we're we're all on tight schedules here. Um, you know, I think uh, definitely for the receivable protection program. Um, 
you know, if they have, if anyone has any questions, just email rpp at iamovers.org. Um, I think the best thing to do is just, uh, if you have any questions at all, just ask us, you know, we're happy to answer any questions you have um, about it. And I think that's always, uh, uh, it's always good to take advantage of the RPP. Uh, if you're an IAM member, I think it's uh, really beneficial for uh, members to uh, take advantage of the, the program. Right. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that email, uh, rpp at iamovers.org. And if you, uh, if, if a member out there has questions about that, that's a perfect email to send it to. But if you have, um, I don't want to say a favorite person, but maybe someone you talk to at the office a lot um, or most frequently, you can just touch base with that uh, individual person too. And we'll get the uh, questions, Scott and to Brian. Um, you know, we uh, all are, something really cool about IAM is that I think everybody on staff is very approachable and we work well together. So great. Well, thanks, Scott. I, I really appreciate you being on with me today and um, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash IAMovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to the IAM Podcast. If there's ever anything you need from IAM, you can contact us at membership at iamovers.org or contact us by going to the contact us page on the IAM website at iamovers.org. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next time.